grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Pray with me, please. For the glory of the risen Lord, we want you to shine your light on us, Lord God. Shine your light in us, Father God, and fill us with your wisdom and your love that we might shine that light out into the world, that all might call you Abba, Father, and might know Jesus as their Savior and might live abundant and free and forever. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are in 40 days of prayer. We're a little over halfway, and we're looking today at praying in five dimensions. We are like the Sunday school teacher who was teaching her children's class about creation, and the children were asked, who can tell us what makes the flowers spring from seed? And a little boy raised his hand, and he said, God does it, but fertilizer helps. What we're doing here in this 40 days of prayer is to sort of spread some encouragement in terms of the congregation's prayer life in talking about those kinds of things that are going to enrich you as you come into the presence, the intimate presence of the Father God. Today we're going to look at God is a multidimensional God. We know that He is because of creation. We can look around and see God the Father is a God of variety, a God of order, a God of creativity, which He's placed in us as well, and He is a powerful God. It's said that it takes more faith to deny God than it takes to believe in God. I'm wearing a watch. You may be wearing watches. That watch was planned. Someone skilled put it together and knew what they were doing when they designed that watch so that it would function and measure time. It had a purpose. It had a plan. had a design. And that's our God, our Father God, the Creator God, who has created the world and created us in it. We have a purpose and a plan. And then to know a multidimensional God, we know the incarnation. God the Father, God the Son, came and took on human flesh. The Word became flesh, as the Scripture says, and we saw His glory. The Savior has been born to you, the Messiah, the Lord. He took on human form, Jesus the Son, the Incarnation. And then there's the indwelling, the Holy Spirit. Jesus had Nicodemus come to him. He was a leader in the church. He came to him at night because he was afraid of what people would say. And Nicodemus asked Jesus, what is all of this about being born again? How can a man be born again? He's born once, physically. And Jesus said, well, the wind comes from someplace and goes someplace, and you see the results of it, but you don't see the wind. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a spiritual birth. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit to indwell. What all of this says of the dimensional God, multidimensional God, is that I'm not alone in the universe. You're not alone. We read some of those verses from Psalm 139, and we're going to continue on with verse 7 through 12. Where could I go to escape from you? 
David's asking God, where could I ever get away from your presence? If I went up to the heaven, you'd be there. If I laid down in the world of the dead, you'd be there. If I flew beyond the east or lived in the furthest place to the west, you'd be there too to lead me. You'd be there to help me. I could ask the darkness to hide me, but even darkness isn't dark to you, and the night is as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. I'm never, never alone. You're never, never alone because he's in every direction at the same time. He's in the past, the present, the future. He's here. He's there. He's in heaven. He's on earth. He's in the spirit world. He's in your world. He's in my world. God is in every dimension all the time. He's in you. He's above you. He's around you. He's multidimensional. It's not just a bunch of gods. It's just one God in the person of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But because God is multidimensional, I'll never be alone. You'll never be alone. We might remember that we can't play hide and seek with God. Because every place you try to hide, God is there. He's already there. We're talking about that big word, omnipresence. He's everywhere. He's in all things. He's the beginning, the end, yesterday, today, tomorrow. God is everywhere. So that means there's no place that you've been, there's no place you are, and there's no place you're going to be, that God's not going to be there. That should encourage you. It does me. Because you, you can't go to a place in your future where God has, is not. And so you're never going to be alone. You're never going to have to face that on your own, even though you may be a single, even though you may have been with, with someone for marriage for a long time, but now you're single again. Even though you are here in what seems to be by yourself, you're never alone in this place and when you leave this place. So what does all this have to do with prayer? Well, since God is everywhere, and he's in the past, and the present, and the future, and in every dimension of the world, and even the dimensions we don't know about yet, you can talk to him about every dimension of your life, and he understands it. When I was preparing for this message, I was sitting outside a bagel place. I was ready to have my breakfast, and alongside me walked a guy that was coming from the sports star store, and I could have heard him talk to his um, grandmother because he said, Goodbye, Grandma. And he was going to get something to eat. And as he walked by, he asked me, what are you reading? I felt like Paul or Philip and the eunuch. That all of a sudden, the eunuch who was reading something about Scripture and, and preparing for something, um, Paul, uh, Philip shows up. And the eunuch then asked Philip what that scripture means. And that's exactly what this young man did. He asked me what I was reading. So I had an opportunity mid-bagel bite to explain the scripture. I was reading Psalm 139 and for a few moments I talked with him and then he went inside and then he came back out and he continued the conversation. He even sat down with me even though he just said to his grandma, I'm starving. I've got to eat. He waited to hear what I had to say. Now, I'm not saying I'm that captivating. I'm not. (laughs) But God's word is, God is going before us at all times, even if you're mid-bite in a breakfast situation. God is going before. He is faithful 
to meet your needs and through you reach out to the world around you. The practical side of all of this is what we will think about today in learning these five dimensions of prayer. The first one is, when I pray, I look backwards to the cross. I start by remembering what Jesus Christ did for me on that cross. I don't start with my problems, and I don't start with my fears. I begin with gratitude and thanksgiving of, because of what he did in that death in my place. Reminds me of how deeply God loves me and loves you. It reminds me also of how costly evil and sin is. It's not a little thing. It can't be swept away with a hand. And how completely, though, I'm forgiven when he said, it is finished. He completed his task for you and for me. The sinless Jesus, as Peter wrote, God paid a ransom to save you from an empty life, and it was paid with the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Karita and I, my wife and I, are downsizing. And so we're having to go through things. We're finding things that we have not used for 20 years. And we're thinking, why did we save them? Anybody in that same situation, gone through that same situation? And you're thinking, we honestly spent hundreds and thousands of dollars on furnishings and books and clothing and collectibles over the year. And we think, it's worth a lot until we go to try to sell it. And then you find out, it's not worth very much. It's worth only what someone else assigns to the value, no matter what we think. Today, the question is, how much are you worth? Look at the cross. God sent his son. He came to earth. He left the glory of heaven to die for you and for me. The son of God became the son of man so that the sons of men might become sons of God. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. You couldn't pay for all the things you've done wrong. Neither could I. So he said, I love you. I love him. I love her. And I'll do it. That shows how much you're worth. He gave his own self, his own son, to die for you and for me and for the world. When I pray, I remember how much I'm loved and forgiven. I look back to the cross. And if you think the cross seems a long time ago and it seems so distant that you can't really relate to it, you might try doing this, using music to help you focus and prepare your heart in your devotion time and your prayer time. Get some songs about the cross. Martin Luther, who loved music, he played music, he sang, had wonderful things to say, said this, next to the word of God, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. So along with a prayer list of people and needs, have a playlist of music that helps you focus on the cross. That's where everything happened that allows us to be forgiven in our past, right in this moment, and into the future. Christ covered it all and sh- with his shed blood and his life. You and I can go into that future confident that he took care of our sin problem once and for all. So I look backwards to the cross. Next, the second dimension of prayer is that I look upward into my Father's loving face. God isn't a dictator. He's not our boss. He's not our supervisor. He's not our coach. Jesus began by teaching his disciples and us that God is our Father. We'll pray, we pray that in the Lord's Prayer. This was a radical concept up until that time. God was not referred to in that way. And Jesus came to explain what God was really like. Do you call God Father in your prayers? You may use Lord or God or some other names, but 
this week, I would encourage you to pray, Father, at the beginning of your prayers. This has nothing to do with your own fathers. Uh, your own fathers may be, have been wonderful, or they may have been terrible. But this is about God, who is the perfect Father. He is the Father who cares perfectly. He's close. He's considerate. He's consistent. He's capable. And he's completely compassionate. This is God the Father. And let me say this. The way that you see God today, right in this moment, will have control over your life more than any other thing in your life. How you see God will determine how you understand prayer or enjoy prayer. I think sometimes people are a little uptight with prayer. I've had people tell me, you know, it's great that you pray so well, Pastor, but you pray too long. Shorten the prayers. Nobody can be that messed up. They haven't looked around. They haven't looked inward. If you think God is an uninterested creator or, if you, or an displeased deity or an untouchable stranger, your prayers aren't going to be worth the breath that you use. And God is not a lone officer. He's not with the FBI or he's a strange, not a stranger. You know what he is? He's your father. He's our father. In fact, Jesus used the word Abba. If you go to the Middle East today, you still will hear this phrase of children being used to describe their fathers. Abba, daddy, your daddy, daddy. Romans 8, 15, 17 says that by faith in Christ as our Savior, we have been adopted as children into God's family, so we don't need to be fearful anymore. We can cry out, Abba, Father. And God's Spirit affirms that we really are His children and heirs in Christ, sharing in both His suffering and His glory. God desires our prayers to be that personal, that passionate, and a partnership. God invites us to pray, Abba, Father. They're to be personal. They're to be simple, childlike, unpretentious, unassuming, and honest. Just come and talk to your daddy. They're to be passionate. Your prayers are not going to matter much as long as you're worried about what other people think. That often happens when we pray in small groups where people are worried about how they're going to say the things that are on their heart. Cry out. You know, a child who wakes up from a dream, a bad dream in the middle of the night goes, Daddy! He doesn't care what anybody else would say, what anyone would psychoanalyze, what anyone would critically say is wrong with this child. He just cares that Daddy is there when he cries out that there's a loving embrace, there's safety and security, and the daddy will not go away. Be honest about your feelings and needs. Be honest. Be honest in this partnership. When we pray, God prays for us at the same time. Do you know what it says that he's talking to himself about you when we're praying? He's talking to himself. Romans 8.28 says the Holy Spirit helps us with our weaknesses. We often don't know how to pray, but the Spirit Himself speaks to God for us with deep groanings and feelings. There have been some times in my life that I just don't have words. And you say, when was that, Pastor? My family says that. 
You didn't have any words. You always have something to say about something. But there have been times when I've been so overwhelmed with the situation, so discouraged or depressed or just quieted by, by confusion that I couldn't pray. And sometimes someone else has to pray. But whenever that happens, I know that God is interpreting those groanings and that silence and that hurt and that conflict and that struggle and turning it into words petitions and answering the prayer so i look back to the cross i look up to my loving heavenly father's face and i look inward to jesus living inside me when you were baptized as a child or you came to faith as an adult and you were baptized you were baptized in the in the water simple water but the promise and in the name of the triune God. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when that happened, all the deity came to live in you. The triune God took up residence in your spirit. When Jesus told his disciples that he was leaving, they were afraid and and, and confused. And he assured them that if they continued loving him and keeping his word, the triune God would make their home with them. He would come and live in them. We have confidence that we are loved unconditionally. You have freedom and courage to face all of your faults. I have courage and freedom to face all of my faults. Let me ask you, would anybody here besides me like to be a better person than what they are right now? This is the third dimension. I look inward to see Jesus living in me, and then I ask, Jesus living in me, help me do a little house cleaning of the junk in my life. Proverbs says, if you hide your sins, you'll never succeed. But if if you humbly confess and reject them, you will receive mercy. You get another chance. We get chances moment by moment as God is working in us because he loves us, you And I are his dear, beloved children. The basis for intimacy, mingling of souls, is honesty. When you start being honest to God, it takes you to a whole new level of intimacy. There are levels of intimacy. You start with sharing frustrations. That's one level. You share fears. That's a deeper level. You share what you don't like about yourself even deeper. And sometimes we have to do that through a tunnel of conflict. We have to be sort of pressed into getting to that point because we want to be involved in so many other things. And we get to a point where intimacy is as someone broke it up and made three words, into me see. Jesus, you are in me. Show me what needs to change and produce fruit in my life, the fruit of love and joy and peace, kindness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. So I look back to the cross. I look up the Father's loving face. I look inward, Christ in me. And the fourth dimension, I look around and I ask the Holy Spirit to use me. Now be very careful. When you get to that point, when you say, To God, use me. You better mean it, because God will use you. 
Instead of complaining about the world or judging the world that doesn't work or whining about the world or blogging about the world, just say, Holy Spirit, show me what's wrong. Show me how to make a difference. Use me. Romans, again, says, give yourself completely to God, every part of you, since you've been given a new life and you want to be used as a tool in the hands of God, used for his good purposes. This is a purpose-driven living. God, the creator, purposed us with a plan. He purposed us to know him in Christ, his son, our savior. And he purposed us to grow in that relationship through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I talk to so many people and regardless of age, people want to do something great with their lives. Mother Teresa, who went to Calcutta and she just began picking people up off the street. And if you've never been to India, it's a totally different experience. But people were just left to die. When I was in Pakistan, when we were in India, I did see people put on doorsteps. And she went and collected them and loved them because Jesus motivated her, compelled her. And she loved them as if she was loving Jesus. And she said, just do normal things with a great amount of love and God will bless that. Luther said, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. The fifth dimension is this, and the last one, I look forward to my future in faith. Talking to my Abba Father about the plans today, tomorrow, short-term, long-term, your thoughts, ideas, your dreams, your hopes. Help me, Father, prioritize, make right choices. Show me what really matters today. Give me energy. Give me wisdom. Grant me love. You know, there's a whole thing of personal development right now which involves what's called a mastermind council. You surround yourself with people who speak into your life, who help you achieve those goals that you've established and keep you away from the things that trip you up. And they also use a manual and all of that kind of stuff to keep you focused. But you know what we have? We have the Holy Trinity. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working around us and in us and through us. And we have the Bible, which is an incredible foolproof manual. We just have to open it up and read it. You know, it's the hardest thing for a 500-year-old church, the Lutheran church, to get Lutherans to read the Bible. The whole matter of the Reformation 500 years ago was because Martin Luther's life was changed because he he finally understood grace in Christ Jesus. He wasn't having to do to present himself wholly to God. And it freed him. It opened up heaven to him. And in that moment, he was captivated by the word of God and slowly grew and grew and grew until he stood before that council, the diet of worms, and they told him, you've got to recant. Because we hold life and death, your life and death. And he said, I cannot. My conscience is bound by the word of God. It's bound by God himself. And I must live truth. I must speak truth. I must present the truth in Jesus Christ. And we sit here as a result of him saying, even if you take my life, I cannot deny what God. God has shown me. 
Romans chapter 8 says this in the message. The resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. We're just not dealing with death. We're not just waiting around for death. We're living life, abundant and full. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I've come to give life and give it abundantly. It's adventurously expected greeting with childlike, what's next, Papa? What's next, Daddy? What do you want me to do? God's Spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are, who He really is. And we know who we are, father and children, and we know we are going to get what's coming to us and an unbelievable inheritance. We go through what Christ goes through. We go through the hard times with him. Then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. A few years ago when I was in the military, I sat in a chapel service, and there was a woman who presented a a beautiful little song, and it's like a prayer Um, And it was a time when I was really understanding. I knew a lot as a pastor's kid, and I knew a lot of things. I was the first one to raise my hand in confirmation, but I I was learning what it meant to be in an intimate relationship with Daddy, my father. That's why this song is so beautiful and so simple, but it is a prayer that I pray for you today and for me. And I'm going to sing it, even though we're the last service. Is another service coming back? Okay, we're good. Okay, I'm going to sing it. And it's, it's a beautiful little tune. And if you don't know it, learn it. It's a, it's a wonderful one. Abba, Father, let me be yours and yours alone. May my will forever be evermore your own. Never let my heart grow cold, never let me go. Abba, Father, let me be yours and yours alone. Never let my heart grow cold, never let me go. Abba, Father, let me be yours and yours alone. And the peace which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus, now and forever. Amen.